Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 26 of History on the Table. Happy Memorial Day, Rich. Yeah, happy Memorial Day. Got any big plans? No big plans. We actually, we had some friends over yesterday, barbecued a little bit. I've got, you know, war game on my table now. My my daughter that's home from college, she's actually got a brand new job. So she's working all weekend, so she won't be able to do anything with us. But I'm sure we'll get some games on the table. We'll have some good food tomorrow, stuff like that. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And a happy belated birthday to you. Oh, thanks. And happy early birthday to you. Yeah, thanks. I Man, saw I you wish guys. I could come up there next weekend. I've wow, that's going to be fun. I've got a hell of a weekend for work, and I just can't make it, but I wish I could go over to KC. Yeah, it should be a good time. I saw you guys, uh, you played some more bar. Is that right? Yeah, and yeah. And drank some, some whiskey? Yes, it was an excellent day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a pretty good way to, to celebrate a birthday. Yeah, that's a fun system, Prague. And, uh, you know, Mitch has been, Mitch and Johan, who were two of the guys who came over and played with me, they, uh, they've they been playing, I think, all of the games in order. So they haven't wow. gotten to Prague yet, um, just because Prague is, I don't know, fourth or fifth or whatever. But they may be on the third or something. I think they're, I can't remember what game they're on, but they're playing them all in order chronological or publication chronological yeah wow yeah nice that's that's a that's a task yeah uh well cool hey um i won't go i'll i'll pack the details in the back but we're today we're two months out exactly on historic fest um links in the show notes facebook page website all that good stuff we'll talk about any other updates later on in the show but i won't bore everyone with that stuff we can just get back to it we said before we started recording it's only been a month but it, it just feels like a long time i don't know if it's we've just been busy or what but it, it it does feel like longer than a month since we've gotten together to talk about what's going on yeah and we didn't talk that much last month we were supposed to play an rpg but i had something come up for work and yeah stuff happens i had very few of my rpgs like actually like last really? month was just a grinder it's just everything either me or someone else i totally get it i'm not blaming anyone i was the one canceling a lot of time i'm just like uh, it was nice to get some some gaming in this weekend for sure so yeah cool uh cool. let's see anything anything new to the shells you want to talk about uh i didn't actually buy it i actually got it as a like a gift at a con but i i've got the men of iron tri-pack which nice. i think you've had a chance to play as well so i've got it it's still sitting here at my desk in the shrink i haven't played it yet but i really want to get that out sometime soon nice yeah we'll talk about that later uh, i had a lot of fun with that um and you should it's pretty like i think it's pretty easy to grasp um because yeah. i didn't read the rules and someone taught it to me in like five minutes um yeah i was i was sorting through it's like holy crap i didn't really buy anything other than atlantic chase which is that's like the new gmt game that everyone's talking about i haven't had a chance to play it because i want to play his other game um uh, I want to say it's, I think the new one's Storm and the old one's Skies Above the Reich. And I have Skies Above the Reich, which I for some, okay. I just want to say, like, I've had that for years. It's stickered. It's ready to go. I should just pull it out before I start messing yeah. with Atlantic Chase. Atlantic Chase, Chase looks really good. I saw, you know, that Tom Hanks submarine movie, or not uh-huh. well, an anti-submarine movie. I saw that a few months ago, actually. And it just got me, like, in the mood to play some Battle of the Atlantic stuff. And I picked up the old game Submarine, and we've got a group online we've been trying to play, but it's going really slow so far. But Atlantic Chase looks good. Yeah, everything, people seem to be enjoying it. The components look fantastic. And I just see tons of comments about how good the rulebook is. That's which good. I'm I'm curious about, because 
I think we've talked about it with um, not unconditional surrender. What's the other GMT like grand strategy World War Two game? Uh, uh, Cataclysm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole thing is like play, learn as you play. And yeah. that it didn't register for me with me at all. Like I, I just don't think that works. So is that what Atlantic Chase is? I don't know. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't cracked the rule book yet. I'm. It seems to be a lot more because I think there's like hundreds of pages of examples and rules and making fun of Grognar and so. Yeah, unconditional surrender is often also learned as you play though. Like the first scenario is the invasion of Poland, and I mean technically it's a two-player scenario, but the Polish player literally has nothing to do. Sure. I mean, all you're doing is learning how to move your guys as Germany. And then the second scenario is the invasion of France. You have a little bit more. No, I think actually it's Netherlands and then France. And then the third one is the med. And they just like keep adding things and putting more and more into it. So it's kind of a learn as you play one as well. I think that works with two people. I don't think that works with like five people for Cataclysm or four yeah. or whatever you're playing. Uh, like, I don't know. It just well, didn't... And- um... Yeah, an unconditional surrender, all the learning scenarios are two-player. You don't get to the three-player stuff until you do, like, the main event. Sure. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty light month. I have been reading a ton. I've been driving a lot, so I've, I've been able to knock out quite a few audiobooks. Uh, nothing – the the closest thing military-related is The Anarchy, The East India Company by um, William Dalrymple, which was really good. That's just – in grade school, I know we learned about the the East India Company, and but probably a glancing. Yeah, it's one of but, those things like you kind of learn what they are, but right. I'm sure there's a lot more that is there that's interesting that we have no idea what happened. Oh, for sure. And this this book was really really well written. It was really engaging for like the type of history it was, especially because like I don't know much, if anything at all, about the Mughal Empire. And that was really cool. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned on the show last time or not. I went to go see is like, are there any Mogul Empire war games out there? Um, and there's Hush just Premier, not. I think has moguls, doesn't it? Well, that's Afghanistan. So I, I think the Mogul Empire is pretty well. Like I know the Afghans, the Afghanis play a big role in the Mughal Empire, but I don't know if they show up in Paxmere. I haven't played. Oh, okay. You would know better than I. I have no idea. I've only played it a couple of times. I got it again recently, but haven't had a chance to play it yet. And I think we talked about John Company. Yeah. We may have already touched on this, but then there's a Richard Bird game that we'll probably never see the light of day, unfortunately. That was basically a Great Battles of History game using a, a bunch of different battles with the Mughal Empire and oh, okay. other. So if it ever comes. You know, sees the light of day. Great, I I would gladly uh, give it a try. But uh, really good book if you're wanting to dive into the Indian Company. Uh, I wanted some some Theodore Roosevelt stuff, and I had bought this book on a sale on Audible called The Naturalist: uh, Theodore Roosevelt and His Adventures in Wilderness by Darren Lundy, and I think he works for the Smithsonian. And it was good but it is very much just his passion for naturalism yeah. and in catching birds and stuffing them and all that there's very <laughs> little if anything at all about politics i mean the only politics that no comes Sam into place no not at all so i liked it i thought it was well written but it wasn't 
really what I was. I saw. I was like, oh, Teddy Roosevelt, sign me up. And then not really know what I, knowing what I was getting into, so I kind of walked away a little disappointed. Mm. And then I read this uh, Lake of the Ozarks book by Bill Geist, and I I don't I know he has Parkinson's. I think he's still still living. Um, but uh, it was funny. It was a little crass. Um. But also, it, it makes sense, just like growing up in this area and growing up in a small town. I did not gr- grow up in the Lake of the Ozarks, but I, I traveled there and grew up in a small Midwest town. And uh, it was pretty good. It was it was a lot of funny stories, but that's kind of it for the nonfiction stuff for me. Hmm. See if you can catch a theme in what I've been reading. And I didn't yeah. necessarily do this on purpose, <laughs> but um, I think it kind of developed that way. Maybe it wasn't on purpose from the beginning, but it definitely got that way toward the end. So I read a book called Devotion uh, by Adam Makos, which is really good book. It's about a couple of uh, Navy pilots in the Korean War um, just became friends. One of them got shot down, basically doing close air support over the Chosun Reservoir, got shot down. The other one crash landed his plane intentionally to try to save his friend's life. Um, which is pretty good story. It was a cool book. Um, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Did he do that tank book? Is that is that Makos? I don't know. I'm not sure. That's, okay. I think that's the only thing I've read by him. So okay. Um, and then I read Red Phoenix by Larry Bond, which is about a. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of like Next War Korea, basically, except it's it's more like they never really say the year, but it's it's kind of like mid 80s or whatever. So it's not really Next War, but a second Korean War anyway. Um, I read that and then I read, I'm reading, I haven't finished yet on desperate ground by Hampton sides. Mm. Um, and I think you recommended that to me cause I read another book by him that I really enjoyed. And this one, um, I thought it was just about the Chosun reservoir, but they're just kind of just getting to that now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm halfway a third, halfway into the book and they're just now getting to Chosun at this point. So there's a lot more to it than just Chosun. Um, but another Korean war book, it's very good. I like his writing a lot. I think he's got some other stuff that's not, necessarily war related he's like got one about like americana and i just like his writing so much i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go on a a spree of his pretty soon and i want to say he was a reporter and i think he's got i thought he maybe had a book on afghanistan i could be wrong about that it could be he's got several of some pretty wide variety of topics he's got one on like a like an arctic exploration and some just really interesting looking books Yeah, On Desperate Ground is one of my like all-time favorite nonfiction books, hands yeah. down. It's it's uh, good. Nice. I'm glad you're reading that. Um, cool. Uh, should we talk about what we played? Definitely. Uh, so I played a little bit of GCACW, but we're going to talk about that later. Um, but I just got to say, like, it was really nice. And this is going to be the theme with Men of Iron that I played, too, like, I'm, I wasn't a great teacher at it, but I will say, like, I probably got him up and running in, like, five, ten minutes, maybe. It's really nice that you can take GCACW, play one of those little one-turn scenarios, and, like, be done in an hour and a half for the night or an hour. Yeah. Um, and it's cool that that game can give you, like, a whole weekend length or an hour um, all in one box. So, so that was fun to do over Vassal. Um, and I don't like the new Vassal counters, like... They have all-in-one counters on Vassal. I just don't like them as much as, like, the separate fatigue and, uh, you know, flipping over the Disorg side. Well, have, I have, haven't – in Atlanta as ours, you actually have the choice. You can do either. Yeah, okay. I I don't know if Roads to Gettysburg 2 has that or not. But, yeah. uh So that was cool. And then – so Men of Iron Tripack, we played one from the um, 
gosh, what battle did we do? I guess we did one from Blood and Roses. Um, so Men of Iron Tri-Pack comes with Infidel, Blood and Roses, and Men of Iron. Tons of game in that box. Like, up there for, like, one of the better bang for your bucks in, in war gaming for sure. Um, How similar are the three games in there? I think fairly similar. I did not okay. read the rules, but okay. fairly grasped. So here's what helped is playing SPQR because this shares a lot of similarities with great battles of history. Okay. Not not near as like, you don't have to worry about facing really. I mean, it, it kind of comes into play once you're, but like you don't turn to pivot each hex. Um, but basically you're activating a leader and activating them in within range of his command rating. And you have archers that can shoot and reaction fire and cavalry and all this stuff. It's just like a, uh, I've always heard that simple great battles of history isn't actually simple in any way. So, so to okay. me, this I have that only because I already had GBOH and uh-huh. it, was, it was on the uh, the Ding and Debt shelf for super cheap at Miniature Market. So I right. picked up the simple rules, but I haven't even looked at either of them. So what I've heard of the simple rules are not in fact simple, but I've been, I actually okay. haven't read or played them. Um, and SPQR wasn't that bad but this does feel like a streamlined version of a lot of that stuff f- from from great battles of history very similar like when when uh uh when mike was teaching me the game like it's like oh yeah this is uh i've seen this i get it and so if you're familiar with that system heck of a deal um really fun um, I'm back to ASL with the Kansas City group. Went back to my first in-person monthly meetup with those guys. Had a lot of fun. Played a uh, played a scenario of slamming of the door, um, which I was just getting slaughtered <laughs> by basically a very well placed and timed off off board artillery. Um, and then I started rolling more snake eyes, like. I needed snake eyes to hit. It's like, all right, well, let's just take the shot. Boom, snake eyes. (laughs) And then snake eyes on my attack. And then with a crit on on a gun like that, the critical effect of when you crit an ASL firing like a tank main armament, the terrain modifier, you know, usually if you're building, you get a plus three to your defense, whatever. It's inversed. So it's a minus three and you want to roll low. Because you're blowing up the building, basically. Right. Yeah. And if there's more than one guy in there though, it only affects some of them though. And so how, uh, how random works in ASL is if you roll the same result for uh, the high result is what we were going with. Mm-hmm. Then it applies to all three guys. So he rolled three sixes yeah. after I rolled snake eyes back to back. Yeah. And so and the crit tie, hit everyone. In ASL, they all get it. They all get it. Yes. So, and that took out his uh, leader <laughs> with the radio and like just plenty of stuff. And, That's uh, one way to stop the OBA. <laughs> yep. That, right. I was like, I must have hit your ammo dump in that building or something. Uh, and then the last thing I'll mention, I hold on bank. before you go yeah. into that. So you're talking uh, about ASL. Did your ATS tournament ever finish up? Are you guys we're still in the, going? We're that? in the last round. Okay. Um, I am not carrying on to the next round. I okay. think uh, so. Like our match is like the last day to play, um, round five. But so two from each wing advance to the next round. Okay. And I I happen to have a buy last round because someone dropped. So that's the only reason I haven't talked about it. But um, I think I think I mentioned the Stalingrad scenario last time for sure. So yeah, um, having a lot of fun playing both. It's it's good to be back into the swing of tactical stuff. Um, some someday we'll get those games ranked. Uh, 
And then, so I played Bayonets and Tomahawks, which was another GMT game that got some buzz. And then I, I, I looked at the rules. I thought, I don't know if this is for me. So I passed on it. But then uh, my buddy Zach, who lives local, we met up to play face for face for the first time in, in a while. And it's great. Like, yeah, it's very light. It's a light card driven game, but I think it's just full of interesting decision because basically the French French and Indian war. Yeah, it is French okay. and Indian war. Um, I've only played once, but how I saw it is like, how aggressive can you be with the French without getting your teeth kicked in when the Brits really start to build up? Because like your reinforcements will eventually not keep up with the Brits. Um, and so you have different, you have militia, which are triangle pieces and you have artillery, which is circle. And then you have, you know, like trained for regiments, which are squares. And I think the native, the Indians are triangles as well. And so what's interesting is like your militia can beat regiments in a battle, but they can't kill them. Okay. Um, which makes for really interesting gameplay. Basically, a triangle can kill a triangle, and a square can kill a square, and a circle can kill a circle. And hmm. circles can also be ships, and l- there's a couple of like key forts that have their own like intrinsic circles. Um, and so it makes it... I, I didn't like it when I read it in the rules, but in gameplay, I think it translated... Like, it worked really well on the table. Because when I read the rules, I was like, well, that doesn't sound... That's kind of dumb. But it works. It works really well. I really liked it. Interesting. Yeah, that's one I want to try. Uh, I don't own that one, but it looked interesting to me. And I think it's pretty cheap. Like in the grand scheme of like what war games cost now. Like I think it's like a forty dollar game. Yeah. Totally worth it. And we did the whole shebang. Um like we didn't do a small scenario or anything. And we I I forced an automatic victory. Um, which really just kind of came down to like one last battle. So I guess we could have gone longer, but the writing was on the wall. If I didn't win that round as the French, I think he was going to like just stampede all over me. I had lost a couple French, like key French cities um, that turn. It was just going to be bad news bears, but a lot of fun. So what what area does the map cover if you do the whole, the whole thing? It's like the Great Lakes to the ocean, basically? Yeah, and a little bit further. I don't remember how far south it goes, but basically, um, and then it goes up to like uh, Halifax and like and into stuff. Canada. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. All right, it's cool. got an interesting layout on the map, like how how it's rotated. Really good. If you get a chance to play it, I I highly recommend it. I like it a lot. So cool. all good stuff. All four of those were <laughs> fantastic games That's or good. series. What about you? Uh, played some empires in arms. We talked about that before we, we played that for a while and we're, we're continuing on vassal now, but it's, it's going really slow now. So, um, you know, it's, it's okay. I mean, it's, I like the game. It's fun, but it's one of those things where if you're not like sitting around the table with everyone else, it kind of loses its appeal. You know what I mean? So does it, does it lose its appeal if Prague invades France as well? So <laughs> Prague got a little, or uh, Prussia got a little stupid. That's what I meant. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. meant Prussia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I'm playing Prussia and I, I did something really dumb. I was, and the big reason I did it was because I sort of misunderstood the rules of, I was basically trying to, there was a situation earlier in the game where I kind of got, uh, it's, so, it's so far back now. I can't remember, but somebody 
got screwed because like they didn't get a seat at the table when they thought they should have or something like that. And I wanted to make sure that didn't happen to me. So basically I invaded France before my allies were ready to. Um, and I actually had units outside of Paris about to take them. And I really pissed Napoleon off. Mm. Um, Napoleon basically was like, okay, well I'm going to abandon the war with Austria and Russia and just wipe Prussia off the map. So I, I invaded Pr- France and then immediately sued them for peace before I got wiped out. So now I'm in kind of an enforced peace with everyone because I've created so many enemies. I'm just waiting for Russia to invade me and take me out and, I don't know. It's it's a good game. Um, it's not. It's it's hard to say. It's it's one of those games where you. It's complicated to figure out how it's supposed to work, and then you make a lot of stupid mistakes, and you kind of wish you could start over, but then everybody made stupid mistakes, so it's just weird. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'll let you know if we how how it goes as we keep on playing, but you know, it's 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 not great, but it's. It's definitely fun sitting around a table with other people for. So you don't regret that being your your choice. Of no, playing no, for not at all. I had a great a time playing it uh, live with with those people. Not, you know, I I'm losing interest, and I think everyone else is judged by the pace of play over over Vassal because it's been. I mean, we stopped playing live what a month ago now, and I think we've done like one one month since then, whereas in three days we did two years. <laughs> right. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. But um, I'm, I'm glad I played it. And then I actually played a couple of games with my 11-year-old daughter. We played uh, Silver Bayonet and Trenton 1776. So we played both of those the same day. She, she's been wanting to play Silver Bayonet for a while um, just because she she wants – she I told her about it, and she likes the whole idea of the hidden movement. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I'd love to teach it to you, but let's start off with like one of the smaller scenarios. So we literally did like the very first scenario, which is just like a few, a few, uh, not, I guess, I don't know if they're Marines or army. I can't remember. I guess it's army. Uh, you, U S army guys surrounded by some VC guys. And she's like, well, crap, you know, she didn't say that she's 11. Um, she's like, well, you got me surrounded. I'm going to lose so bad. And then it's like, well, you know, you got to wait and see what happens. And all of my assaults were terrible. Like I didn't get any coordination at all. She completely mopped the floor with me and she's like, oh, this is so much fun. I love this game. So that's awesome. Playing Silver Bayonet with my 11 year old. And then we, right after that, we played Trenton, Trenton 1776, which is just, it's a Worthington block game. And mm-hmm. I just explained to her, I'm like, this is called a block game. This is how it works. You know, you've got these blocks and, you know, I can see that you have pieces here, but I don't know how strong your forces really are because they might all be beat up and everything. Um, and it's a pretty simple game. And we played it and she's like, yeah, this is, this is okay. I mean, it's, it's not bad, but Silver Bane, that's a lot better. So, <laughs> nice. So that's Mitch was, idea. was like sitting at the next table over. I'm like, Hey Mitch, she says Silver Bane, that's better than Trenton 1776. <laughs> <laughs> I think our list could confirm that too. Yeah, I think so. I haven't um, played Trenton 1776, but I have played New York 76, which okay. I always heard was was better. And I, I think I got rid of my copy, does, but... Does New York have like the separate battle map? It does. Uh-huh. Okay. Trenton has it in there, but it's not a part of the Trenton rules. It's weird. It's like the battle map is in there and it says some of the other games, you know, I guess the battle's a little more complicated and interesting, but that you don't use that for the Trenton one. 
Uh, that's interesting. I remember yeah. Dead Vance calling that like a money grab. I don't know. And yeah, uh, and they put out like they're... three or four of them. There's Philadelphia, New York, Trenton. I think there might even be another one as well. Yeah, I've got. Well, anyway, that's um, I I can't say anything about Trenton, but New York's fine. I I got rid of my copy, but um, I remember it being like uh, I don't know if it it feels like New York 1776, but it was a fun like kind of cat and mouse game. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if there there are other block games, they're definitely better. I'm never going to sell sure. this one because uh, my middle child gave it to me as a, a birthday present one year, so <laughs> I oh. can't say, "Hey, I sold the game you gave me" because <laughs> I didn't like it that much. But it's fine. I mean, it's I'll play it, um, but I'm it's not going to ever be my first choice. So sure. And then, uh, like we talked about earlier, um, last week I did play Prague. I had the three guys over, and we played Prague. Um, one of the we play, I think we played the morning battle. We didn't finish it, but we played for a few hours. Um, so this is uh, Battles from the Age of Reason. It's a whole series of games, um, and it's just it's really good. It's fun to play. It's it's fascinating because, and we didn't get that far into it because we only played for a few hours, but basically just had like some big cavalry clashes, um, and those are fun because you can pursue the other enemy cav and grind them down into dust. But then you get completely out of position and everything. And there was one point where, like, um, my opponent pursued my cab and chased me off the field. And he didn't, like, run me down into dust, but he beat me up pretty bad. So I immediately turned my cab on him while he was out of position, hit him from behind, and completely wiped him off the field. Um, and basically, after all that happens, the infantry takes a whole lot longer to develop. So this whole time that the cab is over there skirmishing on one side, the infantry is moving into position for the main event, which we never really got to. But the infantry is interesting, too, because just because the movement and formation rules are very detailed in this game. So you have to spend movement points to change formations and wheel around and everything. And everything is very slow developing. So... Um, you have to, you have to think several turns ahead about where the enemy is coming and where you want to be able to meet him. And it's, it's really, I mean, I'm obviously not an expert by any means on on warfare at that time. It's something I'd like to know more about, but you can tell they did their research. I mean, even to the fact that Austrian Prussians, they have different movement points for different formations because they trained their armies differently. So that is a... I don't. It's not gonna happen. But I gotta. Play, I gotta play that. Um, yeah, it's good. I, I like it a lot. I gotta play it. And then on my table right now is OCS Korea because, as you can tell from my reading, I'm a, kind of a Korea kick right now. So I I debated between playing Next War Korea again and playing OCS Korea, and I really wanted to get OCS Korea on the table. Uh, so I put that on the table and I I clipped uh, Next War so it wouldn't feel bad. I I saw you clip Next War. <laughs> yeah. with, uh, are you and are you doing OCS Korea solo or is this the one you're doing with your buddy? Well, I was doing it with a friend online, but that game we were both just taking too long between turns, and now I'm not going to be able to do it. So I think I'm going to get together with him like in July and say, "Hey, let's pick it back up and continue nice. this game or play a different scenario, or whatever." I just got it on my table solo for now because the next few weeks I'm not really going to have time to play with anyone else. So at least I can push some counters around myself. Nice. And I like OCS Korea a lot. It's really good. Yeah, that's that'll need to be a featured game uh, in yeah. the future for sure. Yeah. 
Nice, 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 nice. Uh, shall we... Uh, you want to play a little game, or you want to talk about our featured game? Oh, I want to play a game. I've been waiting okay. for this. All right, all right. I almost I almost <laughs> forgot. Okay. Man, my allergies are uh, driving me crazy. Okay. You ready? Yeah. All right. So uh, I've got 10, ten clues. Uh, for those not familiar, uh, it's uh, did I give this a, ga- a name last time? I don't know if I did or not. Uh, but it's the war game game game. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Rich is going to get clues, and he's going to start with ten points. And so, yeah, that's how it works. Um, the sooner he guesses the game, the sooner he gets the game. Of course, if he guesses before I give any clues, then he gets a full ten points. So, um, but that's not gonna happen so i'll give him a clue if he gets it right away then i'll get nine points yada 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 and he'll just try to see what he can do and i will try to not give away well, i should get the a name free guess for the 10 points shouldn't i sure you can take a guess thunder in the ozarks no okay <laughs> rick barber died i feel bad because oh, i said yeah. i didn't like the map and then he you died know, i was thinking about that yeah <laughs> <laughs> well what can you do <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, I am a war game. No, no, no. I will say, so we'll start with, um, this game was originally published in 1992 and was reprinted in 2001. Hmm. 92 and 2001. Mm-hmm. Man, that's like the, see, I played like, that's, that's like the dark ages. That's when I wasn't playing war games. Ah, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to pass rather than waste everyone's time. I can't okay. think of any. Um, this game focuses on Army Group Center. Okay. Any guess? Uh, oh, that's a whole clue. Uh, focuses on Army Group Center, so I'll say... Well, there's the there's the three GMT games that are like called Army Group North, Army Group Center. I'll say, I think the one's just called Army Group Center, so what the heck, I'll say that one. Okay. <laughs> You think I'd make the same mistake twice? Yeah, it's uh, it's worth a shot. <laughs> right. Uh, no. Okay. Um, this game depicts the German drive to cop- capture Moscow in 1941. Operation Typhoon. Roads to Moscow. Nope. This game was originally published by the Gamers. Originally... Um... So it could be an OCS game. Probably not Case Blue, because that's much bigger than that. Uh, is there a Case Blue game that's just for Moscow? Not that I can think of. There's, I'll say Smolensk. I don't think that's it, though. Nope. Uh, how many clues is that? Uh, three, I think. Okay. This game features, and when most of these clues going forward will be for the, for the reprint. Um... This game features seven maps. Case blue. Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> nice. You got me back on OCS. Am I getting close here with the OCS? Oh, that, that would be a clue, <laughs> wouldn't it? Can't do that. Uh, okay. One, two, three, four. Uh, this game was designed by Dean Essig. Yeah, it's definitely an OCS game. Um, what was the one... I haven't played this one, but is it Guderian's Blitzkrieg? You got it. There we go. Yeah, I had it narrowed down to OCS. 
You did. Right? I haven't actually yeah. played that one, but I knew that one was out there. So. I should have backed the gamers up and, and put the historical <laughs> stuff forward. I think the gamers was a big clue, and then obviously DNSing. Yep. Uh, Guderian's Blitzkrieg 2, republished in 2001, designed in, originally designed in 1992. Nice. Have you played and that re- one? No, but I did. Okay. It, that was one of my, uh, hey, look what we found in the warehouse <laughs> pickups. Oh, so you've got it. Cool. I do. I have two. I would really like Case Blue for sure. Um, but um, yeah, no, I, I, don't I don't know what I would ever do with Case Blue. I mean, I would love to have it, but yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? The one I would want most, probably more so than any of the others, is just um, is DAC 2. Yeah. Just to get it. Like, I want to crack that because I imagine the supply situation is just a shit show. Yeah. Like,. Yeah, I, and I've got. I want to crack that nut. Yeah, I haven't played. Um, I, I've got all three of the BCS games, and two of them are North Africa. But I really got to get into those as well. Obviously yeah. different, but you know, North Africa. If sure. I if I could get another OCS game, and I've got a bunch of them already, but one that I don't have is the uh, the Burma one. I think looks interesting. Nice, and I see that was in the warehouse too. Yeah, and I I watched some people play Burma. I'm excited to uh, eventually get to that. But the one I would very much like to have. There's like my two greatest ones right now are DAC two, and I really want a, a copy of uh, Battle Above the Clouds. Although that that oh, was yeah. slightly slightly helped with um, Hood Strikes North because then you get some General Thomas action in that. So yeah. Uh, cool. Nice. So speaking of Battle Above the Clouds and Hood Strikes North, our featured game is Roads to Gettysburg 2, which Rich played um, Empire in Arms for the better part of four days, I guess. And I played Roads to Gettysburg 2 for the better part of four days. So, and Which scenario uh, did you play? Uh, so we did the Antietam campaign, which is okay. I, it may just be called here. I've got the scenario book actually. Yeah, out. I've got it in front of me too because I knew we were going to talk about it. But um, so I have this game. I haven't played Antietam. The only one I, I've played from this game is Gettysburg campaign. Okay, and just the the full campaign. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, which I've always said about Gettysburg. I I always think that Gettysburg as a battle is not that interesting. But the campaigning and maneuver leading up to Gettysburg is what I find fascinating, which is why this is actually my favorite Gettysburg game. Nice. But the one time that I played it, we never fought the Battle of Gettysburg. We fought the Battle of Frederick, I think. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, that's kind of how it goes. Um, It's just called the Maryland Campaign. That's what we played. Um, so roads, we've talked about GCACW before and because we've already ranked Atlanta's ours. So some of this may be rehashed. Um, and we probably will just repeat some things we love about GCACW because spoiler alert, I think Rich and I both really love this system. Oh yeah. It's, um, it's crazy good. And that was only just reinforced by playing it for four days straight on a full campaign with uh just having a good time over the course of a weekend so uh this came out this multi-man publishing came out in 2018 and roads to gettysburg 2 is actually three games in one so you have here come the revs which are which is uh antietam uh maryland campaign basically then you have roads to gettysburg and then you have rebels in the white house which is um jubal early yeah his drive on washington um so three games in one using uh shares a lot of the same components all that stuff but you end up with 23 different scenarios both 
ranging everywhere from a little one turn scenario to um you know just trying to take the town of Gettysburg as the the rebels on on day 1 or you know the full like Rich said the full Gettysburg campaign um so just like tons of stuff and I think we've mentioned how good a value Roads to Gettysburg 2 is but if you can still find it like just in terms of value for your money it's just it's a heck of a deal um for this box let's see I'm I I should have like listened back but that's that's way too much work to see like what we actually talked about when we talked about Atlanta's ours um but just some broad overviews of GCACW, Great Campaigns of the American Civil War. Um, so it's it's alternating activations determined by a die roll, um, which is a big... Die rolls are a big part of this, which can be really frustrating because you can win all the activations you need. Like, oh, I need the next three activations to really do what I want to do. And you may get them. Um, chances are the Rebs will get them because in most scenarios, um, the South wins ties. Um, you roll for movement. Um, either one yeah. dice or two, which I will say have... before I pl- ever played a GCACW game, I heard that it was roll to move and <laughs> I was immediately like, no, I'm not playing that. That's stupid. Um, but it's not, it's really, it works in this game. Absolutely. Yeah. With how you, so the big, the big aspect of GCACW, in my opinion is managing fatigue. Yeah. How, how much do I push my guys or, or I mean, do I force March them? Do I extend March them? Do I go up to fatigue level four or do I hold them back to, you know, reorganize and get, get fresh. Or if I'm out of supply, then you really don't want to march them because you want to be able to forage and like your fatigue level is a modifier in your forage role. And so it's, it's a game of managing your, fatigue and maneuvering yep absolutely it, yeah maneuver is a huge part of it because even if you set the if you snare the perfect trap and you're like all right i got them right where i want them then it's also going to come down to a die roll because you can't always attack and i had some really nice battles set up when i was when we were doing the maryland campaign and just got killed on the either the assault rolls or more often the grand assault rolls so Everything kind of comes down to these die rolls, but what I think, in which you alluded to this, why it works in GCACW is because that's how it worked in real life. Like, Yeah, you read any story about a Civil War battle, <laughs> and you're like, well, this general showed up an hour earlier, and the, the guy that was supposed to be the flanking force showed up four hours late because they were walking through a freaking swamp, right. and they got lost. <laughs> exactly. So guess exactly. what? He just rolled a one for movement that turn. Yep. And I think just lean into that, like lean into the frustration, like, and just like chalk it up with things like, nope, shit, Jackson got lost yeah. again or something <laughs> like that. Um, yeah. I the don't know. Is there any I other is really interesting about this system in the combat is you can't just smash big numbers into each other. It doesn't work that way. You mm-hmm. can't just say, well, like, you know, I got 15 strength points and you have five, so I'm going to win because... If I've got a bunch of DRMs because I maneuvered my guys better and got in the right position, I'm still going to win that fight. And because you sent 15 guys into it, you're going to lose a bunch of them as well. Right. And then, or going back to those die rolls, you, I've got 40 guys surrounding you. Let's let's. I'm going to attack. Based on your die rolls, you may end up depending on who you go with. Yeah. Like you, it may be you're only sending seven against his 20 instead of the 40 versus 20. Yeah. The rest of them didn't 
didn't go on time. <laughs> right. Right. Which, that's what happened at Gettysburg. I mean, if you read anything about Gettysburg, it's this piecemeal approach where, like, the Union forces were never committed. I think the number is, like, 28,000 or something like that. Like, no, the number of Union forces w- was never higher than some number that I'm not remembering right now. That I'm sure if there was a, a, a unified effort, yeah, it would have been a different story. Uh, I, I said Gettysburg, I meant Antietam. Uh, any other like big picture stuff? Because yeah. I don't, I don't think we the need game, to go into like the game has or... certain cycles in it. So like, if you ever play this game, you know, you may look at like scenario number one, which is just a training scenario, and just like it's got a few tiny forces and they just smash against each other, so you can learn how combat works, and that's fine. But every game and the, the cycle is different for every game. But like every certain number of turns is a supply turn where you have to do certain. There's more steps involved, command decisions, supply has to be run, all that stuff. If you ever want to try this game out, make sure you at least play through a, su- a supply cycle because that's the biggest part of the game. Yeah. Um, Not the I, biggest part, but that's the part that makes the rest of your decisions important. How about that? I would say I think it's two different. It's not two different games, but the I think supply only comes up in advanced scenarios. There are some really fun scenarios without supply, though. So, like, I don't know. Like, do you want to commit to a... I mean, the Maryland campaign is actually pretty short. It's only 16 turns at the minimum could be 19, depending on how bogged down the Union forces get. Yeah, but even that, what's the supply cycle for this one? Is it every four turns or... Yeah, uh every four turns. So you're going to get four supply cycles out of it, which means you're going to have four chances to decide how far you want to push those guys going to back to what you said about fatigue you know that's when it's you're going to say okay well crap now now all my guys are completely blown out i mean to basically take a turn off just to let them all rest that right because especially in the antietam campaign or the maryland campaign um yeah the the confederates are basically out of supply as soon as they leave virginia yeah and so you know you're there's and there's no way to really stay in supply unless you're camped on a Union Depot, and it's just like you're not going to have that many opportunities to keep your entire army parked on a depot. Like you need to push further. You just have to. It's it's not you. You just can't sit back and basically what I'm trying to say is taking Sharpsburg isn't enough. Like you're going to have to do more. Um, and like I said, the modifiers on that supply. So Rich is right. Do you hold back so you can more or less guarantee your forge roll because you're good for those next four turns. It's all when the next supply cycle right. comes up, you don't want to still be out of supply. Uh, I was trying to think if I, and I know we talked about this last time, but cav retreat rules, basically yeah. using your cav as a screening force is super well done in GCACW. And it's yeah. a simple mechanic. You roll a die and you eat half that many, um, movement points but at the cost of becoming uh fatigued and yeah. disorganized basically you just you park your cav where you think their infantry is going to go and if their infantry gets within your your if they get next to your cav your cav instantly retreats and eats up their movement points the infantry's movement points which when you're already rolling to move it can be very frustrating when you're trying to advance infantry and you're losing movement points to enemy cav right right 
then this may be the biggest no-brainer statement we've had, but this game is not about if you want a Antietam game. There is an Antietam scenario, not just the campaign, but there is a very much all of Lee's forces are parked on the river and the Union Army's there and you have two turns to dislodge them and get the points. So you could play that. That's in my it's fun. I actually really like that scenario. So yeah, of course you could play that. But this game is about the campaigns, which is why it's called Great Campaigns of the American Civil War. I get that's, it. That's kind of what I was saying when I said the 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 entry level scenarios are fine, but make sure you play something that it's gonna take you through a few turns to get through those supply cycles. That's what I was going for. Gotcha. And I and I agree. I mean, because that's and those are the decisions we were making, um, which I, I want to talk about, like our little house rules for playing the the full campaign, but just the like agonizing. The the Confederate goal is not to go to Sharpsburg and win a battle there. That's not how they win the game. How they win the game is driving and keeping lines of communication open deep enough into Union territory into different county seats so like major cities in the county and basically as far as you can go is going to get you the most points while you can also pick up points of course for eliminating union forces but you don't want to take your own losses it's all a balancing act and that's that comes out so much more in the campaigns i agree rich because there are some scenarios that are just kind of like oh maneuver and, and race to this point and then kind of the game's over they're fun but it's not the same decision yeah. making and in those scenarios often the dr the die rolls it it comes down sometimes even to luck you know sure. it's a short scenario we're racing to get to here you rolled better than i did right yeah you know and that's that gettys i i told you i played um when we were talking about what we've been playing that little one turn gettysburg deal mm-hmm. is really kind of like all right who's gonna win and get into the town yeah um to get there first is kind of what it comes down to uh, so what we did is we played 2v2 um, for the full Maryland campaign. Um, and basically it was Longstreet and Lee was my command. And then my partner Paul took Jackson. And then we played um, Jason and Mike. And they took, um, I think they went like even odd for the course for the union. Mm-hmm. And what we said communication wise is there's a communication phase at the beginning and then each person could send one note but on an 11 or 12 or maybe it was just a 12 i can't remember i think it was 11 or 12 the other side could intercept the note nice i've never played with those rules but i saw you guys using them so (laughs) fun there was a lot of times when uh, the other side was maybe clarifying rules which was certainly questionable like (laughs) oh did you know that this rule or or whatever um and a lot like sometimes the the communications got intercepted and it didn't matter but late in the game there was certainly one that we intercepted that was basically a reminder and for further clarification of a plan and it was just huge. So that was that was a lot of fun to do to just kind of add some flavor to it, and it doesn't really change the game in any way. Um, so that was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Anything else? No, uh, I definitely want to play more of this one. Like I said, I've only played Gettysburg from it. Um, I haven't played the other two at all. But like you said, there is so much in here. And if you ever want to play any of these full campaigns, they're long. I mean, they're 100 plus turn campaigns. So, 
Oh no, uh, Maryland campaign sixteen. Oh, is it okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think. Yeah, I don't know if they get. I don't know how long they get actually, because I think Battle of the Clouds is forty three. Oh, I know I, Atlanta's you, ours is a hundred and seventeen or something like that. So is that right? I couldn't. Yeah. And then the, there are massive because then there's like there are some like fan created long roads to. Um, right. campaigns and those use maps from different games and those get um, pretty crazy too uh, but I haven't played those uh, yeah so GCCW rocks it's good it's simple I, I don't know if we hit on that but like the rules the rule book is not great but the rules I know we've talked about it are so simple once you start playing it all just works um, yeah it's kind of interesting because there's the standard rules and the advanced rules and the advanced rules like a lot of games go with the specific game that you're playing, but you will spend, I mean, even after you've played the game a lot, you will spend a lot of time looking things up. Oh yeah. But I think you're looking up details like, Oh, how do I like, yes. what's worth the most worth the most victory points? How do I make sure I have control of a County seat? Those types of things. But a lot of those are in the advanced rules. I, I say like once you have, you know, a half dozen games under your belt, you're probably not looking up, too many basic rules unless it's like very specific case rules or you know just further clarifying like flank and, and stuff like that but um it's not like ocs lookup stuff or anything like that uh, it's good all right let's rank it i don't i don't know if we really need to say anything more about i guess we could say more about roads to gettysburg or atlanta's ours and we can do that by ranking it um so atlanta's ours is obviously the starting point which is number three on our list yeah um i'll let you take the lead on this one because i have less experience with this one than i do with atlanta's ours um yeah yeah and Tedum is just one of my favorite battles mm-hmm. just in general so it's really is, hard to isn't overcome that. The, that. Uh, that's the bloodiest day in American history, right? It is, right. Um, the the Gettysburg stuff is, is fun. I, I haven't played the campaign, but I've played a handful of scenarios out of there. I That doesn't do a whole lot for me. I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, it's a it's a coin flip. Like, which, which theater do you care about more? Um. The fact that this is three and one, or Atlanta's ours is only one, though, is nice. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's true. I think the price reflects that. I think they're both expensive games, but I think the price is somewhat in line with that. Um, I think this is better. Just just from a purely personal, what am I more interested um, in playing? Um there's stuff in the Western theater that I'm much more interested in. Not, not to say like the, the Atlanta campaign is at all uninteresting or anything like that. I just, there's other stuff I would play. Yeah. In the West. I'm not going to argue with that. I mean, the fact that they're, like I said, this is three and one. So you got three different games in this one, uh, where Atlanta and the SARS is one longer game. I'm not going to argue with putting this one above Atlanta. Yeah, so just just for com- full comparison, I think we're going above, but Atlanta's ours is 14 basic scenarios and five advanced scenarios. And the five advanced scenarios, really what it is, it's one long campaign, but you can start at different points in the campaign. You can start at the beginning, or you can start basically where and they're basically besieging Atlanta at the end. Okay. 
But that's what uh, the five advanced scenarios are, is different points in the, the, the campaign. Okay, and then it's five advanced scenarios in Roads to Gettysburg 2, which would leave 18 basic scenarios, I think. Sorry, I'm I'm clicking back and forth here. What did I say? So 19 total for um, Elena's R's and 23 total for... Yeah, I'm um, looking at the actual rule book. So here comes the Rebels. Looks like it has six basic... No, six scenarios total. I can't tell from here which one's basic and which one's advanced, but... Yeah, I don't know. No, it's got eight. It's got eight. Okay. The advanced ones are further down, if you're looking oh, at the okay. index. Um, so it, but I don't think that changes my answer in any way. So there's still plenty in Atlanta's ours, but there's less variation, I guess. Um, what about compared to none but heroes? Yeah, so that was going to be the next question. Um, you, you're looking at two different things. Here's what GCACW does so much better. It's why I think. BCS maybe I don't know I need to play more maybe better than OCS is the fact that it's not you go I go the alternating activations add so much flavor and just just change the game so much because you know one guy gets three activations in a row and that completely changes your strategy of how you're looking at the map because now all of a sudden they've pulled your pants down and they've got you know, Harper's fairly completely surrounded and you're you're planning on evacuating those guys or, or digging yeah. in or, or something like that. They've got Cav about to take out your supply trains. You've got infantry in the area, but you can't do anything about it. Right. <laughs> right, right. Um no no supply trains in Atlanta uh in oh, okay. the Maryland campaign pain, I don't think. But that's interesting because I know you had a rough go with supply in uh <laughs> what you what which what under Richmond, is that what you guys did? <laughs> yeah, that was that was a joke, but it was fun. <laughs> um, I really like None But Heroes. That's hard. So None But Heroes is a line of battle in Tedum game. Um, I'm going to put this below it, if you're okay with that. I'm okay with that. Cool. There you go. Number three, Roads to Gettysburg. All right, for the next one, I'm just going to grab some popcorn and listen because I'm, yeah. I want to hear what's going on with this. So the good news is, is we have uh, we have Don's notes, which were uh, like better than my own. Um, so you can hear what he says, and you can uh, <laughs> you can uh, you can be Don, I guess. Well, you're rich, but you can uh, you can channel you can be Don's proxy vote. Is what I'm trying <laughs> to say. Uh, so we have we have a Patreon, and at a certain level, you can kick in, and we will rank your game with obviously some exceptions. We've got to be able to play the game, yada yada yada. Uh, and Don suggested two games to us. Uh, Don suggested Cataclysm and our Den Twenty Twenty Four. And I told Rich, I said Cataclysm is the safe way to go because our Den Twenty Twenty Four is from uh, it's a Polish game. It's from Tactics and Strategies, and it's designed by uh, Rich. Who's it designed by? Oh, you're oh, that's what you're gonna do, huh? <laughs> I'm gonna go with Wojek Zaluski. Okay, well, that sounds. You just, as, you just say it quickly and confidently. 
That's what I gotta do. I could just go. I could go. Watch it, you clack. Let's get Adam Chance in here to give us a pronunciation, please. Just say it with confidence. That's right. Um, So I thought, well, what the heck? And then I started to read into it, and then I found out like some of the scenarios are based on uh, like a volcano, and so Germany (laughs) reinvades the Ardennes to get uh, wealth and, and food supplies. And I thought. What in tarnation is this game? And then I, because I thought it was a joke. I thought Don was was shooting for the bottom of the list. But then he he really liked this game, as uh, what he told us. So I was like, all right, well, let's do it. And uh, if it's good, that brings some maybe some attention to watch a and tactics and strategy, and uh, we'll go from there. So our patron pick this month is our Den Twenty Twenty Four, designed by, uh, Mr. designed Z. by. Yeah, Zaluski, Zalewski, um, who I've seen post on on Facebook before. Like he's active in the. Oh really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a Polish game. It is. Um, and there's, yeah, I don't know if you'd call it a series, but they have a bunch of them out there. It, it is. It is a. I believe he considers it a system. Okay. Um. So on the website, there are a whole bunch of of other games. Um, and they're all, I think, no, they're not. I'm looking right now. Uh, Arden 2024 is 25 euros, which is not bad. Yeah. I mean, even shi- I think all. shipping was, was eight euros or something like that. And they come in, well, and we'll get to the game, but let, let's start with the components because they're actually worth talking about. It comes in like a magnetic clasp box. Like, um, it's pretty nice. I'm, I can't picture that in my mind. Yeah, What's so the box like, made? It's a box. So it's got like a hint, like a like a flap that comes down that has magnets to seal it. Yes, exactly. Okay, got it. Um, I thought, hey, that's 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 pretty nice. And then I pull out the counters, and like if you were to compare this to something like Vevictus, mm-hmm. or probably even C three I, these counters are nice. Like they're really nice. I'm not gonna clip them. And they were, I picked up like one, my counter sheet and they just like collapsed out, which yeah. some people may not like. I like because I didn't have to punch, the, you know, sure. I think it's four sheets, um, kind of like doubled over. So really two sheets. Um, so super nice counters. The map is really nice quality. And guess what? I did not have to get a straight edge out and <laughs> trim it and it overlaps and this there was 25 go. euros, not a hundred freaking bucks. Okay, <laughs> so I manned up and I played this game. Uh, the map's really nice. It's got a distinct art style. I like it and I don't like it. I think it's kind of hard to tell the difference between mountains and hills, but it is kind of cool how it's. I don't know what that style's called. I don't know if you're looking right now, but um, like the forests are individual trees and like the mm-hmm. towns are like the cities are like pictures of uh, like apartment complexes or the towns look like little towns, um, but like real life pictures almost. Yeah. Um, so that, that's like the component wise. Um, I, here's, <laughs> I'm going to give you a big picture because I, I need to organize my thoughts here a little bit. This is, and I told you before we started recording, like a diamond in a rough. I just don't know if it's like a diamond or if it's like a cubic zircona in a rough. Because huh. I'm going to have lots of little nitpicks about this game, and there are several of them. But so, over, 
overall, I really like this. Yeah. The yeah. rule book, I mean, it's obviously it's in English, right? But you said nope. it looked like it was not in English. So here's what I found out from uh, – I got a copy. You just email them, and they send you they send you a, an English copy. Oh, okay. Not – I'd say it's 95% in English. There are some untranslated stuff <laughs> in the, uh, like, scenario sheets, which doesn't really matter. Um, you'll figure it out. Um, some people on BGG said their copy came with English rules. Some people – and mine included did not. So I don't know what the policy is there. So you have to email them for a PDF, which is fine. Um, it is 12 pages of rules and then charts. The Since we're talking about components, like a big, a small complaint is like the charts are in the rule book. Oh yeah. So like no, no, no player aids, no player aids. And okay. they, and it's a, like you're going to be consulting the charts quite a bit because I mean, it's like the combat system is, you know roll on a odds table yeah um so let's talk about our 2024 is a hypothetical future conflict set in the Arden. and what's thematically what's interesting is obviously you have the allied forces uh you know french u.s forces luxembourg forces and then you have the Germans, but then you also have scenarios where the Russians backstab the Germans, and then it's the Russians against <laughs> the Allies, which I just like. This is bonkers. Um, so it's not it's not super realistic, in my opinion. Obviously, we're dealing like with. I think it's like the temperatures drop to like forty below in Germany, and a volcano is erupting, and they need food. Is how it starts, and like all the scenarios kind of like roll into each other. It's not super realistic like Next War. But there's a lot of similarities. And like that's kind of the measuring stick. This is a much simpler game. 12 pages of rules. Very straightforward. That I think just needs a developer to like fine tune those things. Um, it's very procedural. So there's 12 phases of a turn. Even though the rulebook says there's 20. There's, there's 12. Um, and it's very... You have the air phase, you have artillery bombardment phase, you have movement phase, attack phase, um, strategic movement phase, and supply phase. One player goes, the other player goes. So straightforward movement, just like you've seen in every other type of game. And then it kind of adds in those those kind of familiar things you may see from Next War or other kind of future conflict games where uh, you've got jets and helicopters and you can use your helicopters to like bolster your attacks or if you have air mobile guys you can transport around the map um, you've got like um, missile based artillery that can kind of shoot all over the map and like once per turn they can I don't remember what the term is but basically they can make their artillery super effective and like double their SPs and so like you have these modern flavor pieces to it but not mm -hmm. to the level of next work on you're not looking at individual you know f-15s or whatever i don't even know if that's a real plane um and and at the scale you're either dealing with um, um divisions or uh tank battalions or uh well it's all over the place regiments whatever and so it it doesn't um like the technology and like kind of the cool stuff doesn't doesn't come through as much, you know. Like there's so many little like added rules you can add to Next War mm -hmm. to like buy new jets or to add, you know, just different 
where you, where you bid points. That's not here, obviously. Um, I was little like, there's some weird things going on, like just like how how do you set up? Like all those things could be flushed out more, and th- those are fairly big knocks. Like if I, for example, the first scenario says German units are set up freely on the German territory, right? Okay. What they actually mean to say, and the only reason you can infer this, and I don't know if this is translation or development, whatever, is if you go a few scenarios later, they say Russian units, parentheses, all of them, saved, saved to those marked in the reinforcements table. So playing the first scenario, I was like, well, what, what units? There's three people listed on the reinforcements on December 18th, 19th, and 20th. There's nothing else listed on the scenario card or any indication. So I played it as that must mean every single German unit, however I want. And that's how I played it. And I think that's how they intended it. Mm-hmm. But it's like if I was a new war gamer, how the hell would I know? Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the kind of stuff that pops up a lot in this game. There's there's things that probably need some more clarification. Um, you set up... Um, on one example where it's a pretty small scenario it was a fun scenario actually um it just says uh 21st armor brigade 50 hex 57 21 fine okay i'm i'm someone that like struggles with like what's big what's bigger a brigade or uh a regiment like i get it now that i play more but Uh nowhere in this book does it say for the 21st Armor Brigade, that's made up of these four units. And when we say 21st Armor Brigade, you're supposed to put all of them on the map. Wow. Yeah, that's not... So, it's the brigade's not even just a single counter. It's a series of counters. Right. It's made up that's of, you know, you know, four battalions. Right. And it's like there's a, a kind of a rule in the beginning that says, hey, here's the... Um, the unit number or the brigade number or the division number, depending on how they're broken down. And so, like, if you can work through those things, that's why I think there's there's something here to this game. But they're pretty big issues in my eyes. So um, the other thing is, like, it doesn't explain. And, like, yeah, I, I get it. I know this. The brown counters with the red stars are obviously the Germans, right? trick question they're oh, not you're asking me brown counters red stars could be russian they're definitely russian <laughs> and and so like and obviously like the german counters he uses the iron cross but then there's allied forces and like i think he's you it's kind of hard like i guess my eyes aren't that good like i think he's using a symbol to indicate well he, well, he is that these are u.s armed forces but it's not explained anywhere some of these counters are two tone. I'm looking at them. Yeah, they are, and I and that the difference for why they're two toned. Unless I missed it, I have no idea why that's the case. And so, <laughs> it just needs a little bit. I I'm I am keeping in mind that this is a 25 euro game. Yeah. So like it's cool, and like I really like Operation Pegasus, which has I would say similar errors, but not as unfriendly to a new war gamer. Mm-hmm. Um. So those, I don't know. That's kind of my whole takeaway on the, um, the game is there's some really good stuff, but there's some so, major knocks against it. So what's the diamond in there? The diamond in there is the game's fun. Yeah. Um. It it 
Is it a one mapper? Twenty-two. It's 34? two maps, but there's two, one okay. and two, and like the so the great thing here is there are massive scenarios, and this is what I really like on that on that one scenario. I love that it's free setup on a hypothetical invasion game because the allied forces aren't going to know like where the Germans are. So if the Germans can set up anywhere they want behind this border, that's awesome. That's cool. That's great. What a great idea. Um, there's little tiny scenarios where it's just, all right, they've got, um, artillery, uh, missile artillery and HQ and these four counters against two allied counters and a couple reinforcements just to see if they can do it really quick to, you know, catch them off guard. So like you can go massive with all the German forces or all the Russian forces, big blown out campaign or campaign, you know, scenario or Mm -hmm. these little tiny ones. So, um, but in the combat and stuff, it's all, it's all straightforward. The, the, the die roll modifiers and the column shifts need to be broken out on the, combat results table because they're spread out in the rules and they're not really summarized. Yeah. Um, basically combat is you find your odds ratio and then you modify shifts left for terrain. Um, and then you, uh, usually there's a result for both the attacker and the defender. Not always though. Um, and you, you just carry it out and then, <laughs> Okay, so you can become disorganized if you lose a battle. Um, in the rules, it says they have to pass a morale. They have to make a roll, and it can't pass their morale limit. Okay, the word morale limit, the word morale itself, is only mentioned once in the entire rule book, and it's in that rule. Is there a number on the counter for it? or? Nope, nope. So then you go look at the combat results table, and there's a disorganization table and it has nothing to do with morale. So, like, I don't know if, like, the rules, like, was that not a fully fleshed out rule or something like that? That but, could be a translation thing, too. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's a translation deal or if, like, a rule that got dropped. You could be right. But, you know, again, if I was a brand new war gamer, there's nothing indicating that I should look at this disorganization table because the r- rules are telling you to do this other other thing no i figured it out and so when i figured it out and maybe i made some wrong assumptions maybe i didn't i think the game was actually really fun it's very straightforward you go i go but it it introduces some things that i like from other games just very simple game mechanics in in 12 pages so for example for example uh in my game in one scenario, I used my missile artillery right off the bat to like attack a back position and then drove most of my um, 21st Armor Brigade, uh, which you can get a benefit, like little things like benefits. If you're using three counters from the same brigade, then like that's more combat effective. So like little things like that are in it. And then I set some guys back in reserve and then rushed them over as many rivers as I could because you can blow up rivers in this game, which is awesome for a little 12 page game rules and really changes how the invasion is going to shape out. Um, that stuff's really good for, for how light the game is. It doesn't like replace next war in any, any way, but for a light hypothetical game, it does some really cool stuff. Uh, so let me let me give you some of Don's thoughts, and then we'll see if you have any other questions about it, and then we'll rank it. How's that sound? Sounds good. Okay. 
Um, I would agree with Don. Don says it appears to be a somewhat standard hex encounter game. I would agree. Um, he also talks about how the counters are good quality. They use silhouettes instead of NATO designations. I think it's fine. I really struggled with organizing the counters right off the bat. Um, and then here he says the coloring of the counters is country specific, but is a bit confusing and not totally clear in the rules. It's easy to see the Russians are brown, but several of the other countries looked a bit similar. Completely agree. He really likes the map, thick glossy paper, and very pretty to look at. Um, I cover the map with rolled vinyl. The map has turn counter, VP tracks, yada yada yada. Um, uh, I think I was gonna say something about the silhouettes or the NATO designations, but I think overall, just like the counter, just weren't super clear to. Um, and then he broke down some some cool stuff that he liked and some bad stuff he liked. So, scenarios are well done. Uh, interesting description of World War Three type situations. I would agree, but I think they're a little wacky <laughs> but that's um the narrative fun is fun and usually specify the objectives for example the germans win if they can maintain units across the muse river at the end of the turn uh using both fighters bombers and combat helicopters to provide attack and support is a fun addition i agree it's just it's very limited it's not a major it is a big component of the game but it's it's pretty light like you're just adding sps to your combat value most okay. of the time you can do like bombing runs on bridges yeah um the electronic warfare crt shifts in battle is very limited um so the points need to be used wisely i agree it's just a combat shift but you only have so many of them bridges can be blown and rebuilt and are very important in several of the scenarios i agree uh, oh, there's special ops personnel, but again, very they can go in and blow up bridges or try to knock out HQs. Very light rules, but a, a fun little addition. Um, combat helicopters are fun to add to the combat number since it adds another source of resources to manage. I'd agree because like you want to bump that stuff up. Um, he says the developer is incredibly responsive to questions, even though he's in Poland. That's good. Here's what he didn't like. Rules came in Polish. Uh, sent him a PDF. I didn't love reading them on a PDF. I should have printed them out. I'll just add that. Uh, the rules are bitter clear on a few issues. Some of that is language translation related, and some are just not clear. Again, I agree. I really enjoy chip pull systems, i.e. blind swords, especially since I play mostly solo. So having the turn order predetermined makes it a bit tougher for solo. Uh, I'd agree. There's also some solo rules, like how you bid air points for air dominance and how you can mask units. Um, you lose that stuff in, in solo play, but it's not, yeah. the masking rules are really simple and it's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, you see that next war too, though, if you play with the advanced air rules and you want to play solitary, yeah, you just, right. yeah, you just play it that way. Right. He did. He does add, and last, this is the last thing I'll, uh, I'll read from this is that someone has developed more complex air battle system, which is interesting because, Oh, he, this guy made specific air counters. Cause I was going to say, I don't know how you would do that really. Um, overall, I enjoy playing the system and find the scenarios and narrative engaging. I agree. Rather than replaying Samurai world war two scenarios. I like that at Chrome and electronic warfare, special ops and combat helicopters as I mostly play with myself. That's what he says. It is almost always up to me alone to master the rules. As a relatively new war gamer, three to four years, who's also old, 63, there are only so many rule sets that I can assimilate. Um, he says he'll stick with this for a while. So thank you, Don, for sharing that. I know that probably reading someone's note isn't the best radio, but um, Don's the one that recommended the game, and I thought he had some really good thoughts. So yeah. we'll I mean, if you go got a 12-page rule book and you enjoy the system, 
yeah. go for it. Have fun. Yeah, if if you can work through those things. So yeah. uh, I think we should rank it. I think you should rank it. Uh, I'll give you a range. Okay. I'm going to say, let's see. Let's see if I can guess where you're going to put this. you got to have your own number in your head. I'm okay, gonna... I have a number in my head, and here's here's one thing I want to add real quick. I, I mentioned, and maybe I was too hard on this game, when I thought Don was sending this in as a bottom feeder. This far surpassed my expectations. I will say this is a, That's good. a game with some very rough edges that I think if you can get past them is a very fun, very light hypothetical. It is better than some magazine games I've played. It is not as good as Next War, which would be the obvious comparison. <laughs> I'm going to guess that you're going to put this in the low 20s. Low 20s? Yeah. yeah somewhere, I, I'm i guessing that you won't rank this as high as last 100 yards. But I could be wrong. Oh, no. Yeah, no. Uh, so my so kind when I of... say low 20s, I mean like between 20 and 25. Okay, so low 20s, but higher on the list. Yeah. Uh, so my kind of, like, where I was thinking, like, Operation Pegasus is my ceiling um, because that is a game that has some rough edges that really works. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets more forgiveness because it's 41 years old. Yeah. <laughs> this is two years old, um, and they have made 59 games. Wow, I knew, I knew they had a bunch. That's a lot. I don't know if, if he's the designer on every single one, but um, Tactics and Strategy has made 59 games. And to have these development issues are going to knock it down. Again, some may be translation, but there are some, like, counter art is not a translation issue. Not explaining what things are supposed to represent is not a translation deal. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I'm going to knock it quite a bit down from Operation Pegasus. Um, I thought about Angola a lot when I was playing this game. And I don't know if it's because Angola doesn't use NATO symbols or if it's, you know, it's not modern, but it's um, more modern than a lot of stuff we play. And I think it's better than Angola. Which you have not played Angola, have you? Have not. Nope. Angola kind of devolves into make a giant death stack and then roll through these items. Like, okay, now do anti-air combat, now do tank combat, now do infantry combat. And it's just like you have a giant stack and you just kind of like go procedurally through it. It's cool because it's 2v2, but that's kind of it for Angola in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Above that we have Twilight Struggle. And Brave Little Belgium. Brave Little Belgium may be a good comparison. So it's like uh, Arden twenty twenty four is more standard hex encounter. Mm-hmm. Brave Little Belgium is lighter combat. Like because it's point to point and it's such a small map. Like I love. I don't know. It's really cool. I'm just thinking about the scenario I most recently played. Like holding those guys in reserve and then taking all the river crossings before the allies can blow them up. And then of course this ally player trying to blow all those up before they get to where they're heading. That was really cool in a little light game like this. You don't have that in brave little Belgium, but brave little Belgium doesn't have the design flaws. Like, what do you think about that? Um, man, it's 
hard to say without actually playing this game, but um, uh, I don't know. It it seems. I mean, if if it's a hard decision, that's probably the right area. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I don't know if it gets above Pavlov's house. I I I tend to like a game like Arden twenty twenty four more than something like Pavlov's house, meaning Hex Encounter. Uh huh. Um, but I, I, Pavlos Health is definitely more the better design. I think I'm going to go just below Brave Little Belgium. Definitely better than Twilight Struggle for me. I, if someone said I would really, I would rather play this than Twilight Struggle. If someone said, let's play this or Brave Little Belgium, I'd say let's play both because Brave Little Belgium takes no time. And there's this little six counter scenario in this that presents lots of tactical decisions. Um, so I think I'm going to say... 27 yeah i'm gonna say 27 cool i could waffle all day we can adjust it once uh maybe an errata comes out or something all right number 27 um that's number 27 after ranking roads to gettysburg wow uh we're at 37 games oh no i have a question got 37 to go before we can finish i have a question for you yeah this is 100 up to you we can either wait until christmas or the end of the year we can wait until I play it, or we can do it tonight. I will very likely never ever play Empire in Arms. Okay. Do you want? Do you want to feature Empire in Arms? Which is fine with me. No, I don't think I'd feature it. <coughs> you throw okay. it on there. Do you want to rank it? Yeah. Let's see. Where do you think I'm going to rank it? If I were you, I know a spot I would look. Um, but it's also a game you haven't played, so. Do I? I think you will rank it. Around the same area, I think you'll rank it around Twilight Struggle, but that's just a guess. Yeah, I think it's attending toward that area. So, a couple things. Um, not that I'm going this high, but the comparison to be made. Here I stand, which is currently number eleven on our list, is a fantastic mm-hmm. game if you have six players. What, you don't always have six players and 10 hours to play. And if you don't, it drops way down. Empire in Arms, I I, I don't even know what the minimum player number of that is. So even if it was absolutely mesmerizing and I couldn't stop talking about it and couldn't stop thinking about it, it's not going to be as good just because it de- the demands that it puts on the players. Um, additionally, negatives of the game, I think, are... It's kind of like, have you ever played the computer game Hearts of Iron? Yeah. Well, sorry, I have played games from the same company. Okay. So Hearts of Iron, it's a fun, silly little game. It's a a strategic World War II game. I mean, you can play any nation. It's got different tech trees and everything. But the the thing that I hate about it is like, there's there's no realistic winning the war in the game. Like if you want to play, you know, Italy or something you haven't won the game until like you've taken over the entire world. So it needs like realistic victory conditions And this. It's not quite that bad, but it's kind of the same in that it does balance it a little bit. Every nation has its own, it's not victory conditions, but there's different levels of victory based on bidding points and stuff like that. But it almost feels like, if, if you wanted to sort of role play as a nation that was, 
you know, surrounded by other nations, other belligerents, and didn't necessarily want to get into it, then you're just going to lose. There's no, I just want to survive this. You have to conquer in order to sort of win this game. So that's a little annoying, um, which caused me to do some dumb things. The rules are are not well written, but, um, you know, if other people are explaining to you, it gets better. I guess I'm just sort of beating around the bush before I slip this in there. Um, so let's see. Is Empires in Arms better than Last Hundred Yards? God, that's such a weird comparison. <laughs> I'm going to look at games on here that I've played. So Last Hundred Yards, Pavlov's House. Yeah, is it, it's, is it better than Pavlov's House? Yeah, sure. It's, it's a better game than Pavlov's House. Wildly different. Is sure. It a better game than Last Hundred Yards. I'm not sure about that. Last Hundred Yards is is a tighter game for sure. And you recently played um, a little bit of that, right? You played a small scenario of that. Yeah, so I played. I played mind. that again a month ago. Yeah, yeah. I was. I don't think I said this on here, but Last Hundred Yards, I think, very soon is going to be the first game that I have ever sought, uh, sold, and then bought back, bought again. So uh, I keep I keep thinking I need to buy that game back, but I haven't done it yet. So. Um, hey, real quick plug for the convention. We have yeah. a you can you can win a copy at the convention. Oh, I'll just have to win that. I won't. I'm not yeah. rigging it. So you win I'll it. That's an announcement everyone. for everyone, not just rich. <laughs> Do I have to win the whole thing? Like the no, whole no, 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 no. Day? That's not the tournament prize. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> huh? SPQR. I've kind of I've played around with, but haven't really played enough. Is Empire in Arms? You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna say let's go 23. Let's go right after SPQR. So you're gonna you're gonna do that to Operation Pegasus without even playing it. Yeah, I am. Without playing that, I am. <laughs> Need yeah, an executive veto. All right, here's here's my new goal is to get you to play Operation Pegasus, and then we can readjust. All right, we'll do it. Nice. Wow. Wow. Three games. Holy cow. The the by the way, folks, the Empire in Arms call really was a uh, game time decision because I didn't. That wasn't a. Uh, discussion beforehand is just when you were talking about Empire Arms, I was just thinking like I'm never gonna play this game. Yeah, good and it sounded that. like it looked ridiculous, but even then, like when I saw it being played, I was like, nah, I'm never gonna play this game. Yeah, um, one of the guys pimped it out for us. He had like the you know <laughs> nice little ships and armies, and that blood really made the made it nice. Map just needed to be bigger, is all. <laughs> and his his was already blown up too, wasn't it? Yeah, right. Oh, we just we we're giving them a hard time about that oh. the whole week. Oh, peace. This is so good, except the map should just be a little bigger. <laughs> nice. Nice, nice, nice. Uh awesome folks. Um so we have before we get to the stuff where you can uh zone out, we have a couple listener questions. I guess you've already answered uh should Prussia invade France, so we can cross that <laughs> off this. Uh Mike asks, What's your favorite American Civil War book, novel or sh- or uh nonfiction? Uh, I haven't read much fiction other than, um, oh, there was that, I read a book in grade school that was about like a drummer boy and he like ended up going to prison. I don't remember anything about it. And I know there's that Confederates in the Attic that people like. Mm. I haven't read that. It's I've been just forever since I've read it. But is, is Red Badge of Courage, is that Civil War? Okay. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. It's, uh, that was pretty good, but it's been a long time since. I can't remember if that was Civil War or Revolutionary War, but I'm thinking it was Civil War. And isn't that like, I think that's like a, 
a, a school age book. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's what I'm kid, thinking yeah. of now that you mention it. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the fiction side of it. For nonfiction, I've got two that I would say are my favorite, and one's going to cheat because one is basically anything written by Stephen Sears. So whether you want to do Chancellorsville or Antietam or Gettysburg, uh, I don't know what else he's done. But those three, I love Landscape Turned Red. I thought that was a fantastic book. Um, the the other one I will recommend is This Mighty Scourge by James McPherson, which is actually a collection of essays. Um, and I loved that one. Yeah. I Those would be my two favorite, to answer your question directly. I also cautiously recommend Shelby Foote stuff, obviously. <laughs> yeah. What about you? Uh, probably my favorite book, uh, Civil War, is Decision in the West, which is about the oh. Atlanta campaign. Um, I can't remember the author's name offhand, but he's just a fantastic writer. Um, just really good. It's um, I talked about this when we did Atlanta as ours last year or whenever it was, but um, he writes history in the present tense, which is a really cool way to read a history book because he's writing it, you know, this is... This is what the people that are going through this right now are thinking and feeling instead of saying this is what they thought. They're saying this is what they're thinking. So it's a subtle difference, but it comes across in the writing really well. Nice. And then I've read, um, what's it? Uh, what's the big one? Um, Battle Cry of Freedom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, also I've, by James McPherson. Yeah, I've read that one, which is good as well. Yeah. And there that, you one, go. that one is actually really good um, for talking more about the background of the civil war, the social issues, the political issues, not so much the battles or anything. Yeah. It does and cover I cover them, but if that's you not wanted, if he wanted like a big overall picture and you, and you, and you don't want to tackle Shelby foot for whichever reason, too long, too wrong, whatever, <laughs> whatever you're going to say. Um, if you do battle cry of freedom, then I would do this mighty scourge after it because this mighty scourge is, 200 pages something like that and it he wrote it after battle cry of freedom so it touches on some other things nice um should we talk about some nonsense yeah let's do okay let's let's start with the sork fest because we are exactly two months out although when this goes live it'll be uh less than two months out. oh i can't so wait can't wait it's gonna we be got good. a schedule and everything got a schedule got a schedule so here's the rundown folks and we've talked about it but everything is uh firmed up and, and ready to go at this point so uh next work on all duration of the convention we're going to match up people wanting to play next war mitch lane's going to be on hand you can grab dinner with him as part of our dinner with designers so next work on going on all during the convention you don't need to do anything there's a learn to play on friday morning i'm not going to go over times the schedule's on our facebook page i'll get it up on the website um so that covers your next war interests you can, draw, you can do that for one day. You can do that for three days. Whatever you want. Just let me know when you sign up. Uh, Advanced Squad Leader. Play as much of it as you can. Um, you're going to pick up points over the course of the weekend. Um, we'll rank players up. A lot of this is being coordinated by the KCASL group. Whoever plays the most games, whoever wins the most games, is going to get some nice prizes. And we've got a bunch of scenario packs and gift cards and all kinds of stuff for uh, ASL vendors. You can uh, stop right there because those are the two things that I'm going to be doing all weekend. Well, don't don't commit yet because we have. I am very excited. But wait, about there's this. more. There's more. Last hundred yards skin in the game tournament is so cool. So round robin tournament, you are gonna pick a platoon leader and he's gonna rank up over the course of the tournament. If he dies, 
you go back down to zero. So if any member of his platoon or as you rank up more members, you're going to pick up points, and whoever progresses the furthest is going to take home a prize, and obviously whoever wins the uh, round-robin tournament. So that is scheduled so you can do other things because we are identifying small scenarios, some scenarios you've probably played before, some that are completely new for Mike. Um, you're going to have at least seven and a half hours between every round. So knock out a game in two, two and a half hours, and you got five hours to do whatever you want. Uh, that's going to go all weekend. Uh, Mike is on hand. If you need to learn to play, you can just pull him aside. He's made himself available all weekend. If or he's if you want to be there, I mean, he is going to be there. You should learn to play from him because yes. he is just, I, I've never seen a guy that loves his game oh. in a good way more than he does. Agreed. And if you already know the game, he, he's also agreed. If you want a demo of Solomon Islands yeah. with the new Japanese forces, he'll show you those as well. And he'll play with you and he will whoop you because he yes, knows he his game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. And he knows the strategies. It's good. Um, there's more. Tons of door prizes. We have a, there's not a like robust game library, but there's several. I don't want to oversell it, but a good amount of play to win games. So if you want to check out Front Towards Enemy or some Hollandspiel titles or some different games, you can check them out, play them for a little bit and uh, check them back in and I'll probably put a timeline or whatever. Someone will go home with a copy of those games. Um, and then we have Learn to Play U.S. Civil War. Uh, on Sunday and then on Saturday there's like an open talking about great 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 campaigns in the American Civil War an open play of Atlanta's ours where you can come by anytime play for a little bit play for a lot learn how to play Rex is going to be running that and then whoever participates in the Atlanta's ours games play someone's going to go home with that copy of Atlanta's ours nice and for the physically fit folk, uh, <laughs> we're going to do a hex crawl on uh, Saturday morning, just just right by the uh, convention center. I'll pick people up and we'll do a big coordinated thing. It's completely self-supported, so like, make sure you're physically fit and you can do all of it. And you can run, walk, bring your bike, whatever. It's a beautiful trail in Overland Park, up to seven miles out and back loops at the end you can do one mile and go back whatever i'll drop a case of water we'll have donuts and we'll be back at the convention by the time it opens up at eight. Oh, we got prizes we got prizes out the wazoo Did i forget anything probably but i don't know yeah it sounds I'm good oh dinner dinner with oh yeah dinner mike with and mitch you got to do that guys i one of my favorite memories from war game convention is next war con and just getting, I don't know, eight to ten of those people together uh, to have a great family-style barbecue where they just bring you plates and plates of barbecue and chow down and pick each other's brains. It's good stuff. Yeah, I guess I'll have to order into Wichita to get some good barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really, really hoping for the Virginia Beach folk. To... That was the dumbest list I've ever seen in my life. <sighs> so stupid. Yeah, You're a list familiar. came out recently that listed, what was it, like the best 50 barbecue places in the U.S., and it was like number one was Seattle, and there was literally none from Texas. The only one from Kansas was Wichita. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, number one was New Orleans, which maybe. I've never had New Orleans barbecue, but it was like based off of TripAdvisor ratings. I don't know. It was wacky. Miami? Yeah. Seattle? Wichita? Which, Wichita's not known. Trust me, folks. I've had barbecue in Wichita. It's like, they're like chains there. Oklahoma City, I'm sure it's fine. St. Louis, it's not Kansas City or Austin or anything from Texas. Uh, Columbus, Ohio, Newark, New Jersey, <laughs> Virginia Beach, Virginia, Charlotte, North Carolina, I can see. I don't like 
white sauce, so I can't agree with Charlotte. And then Miami. Like, I don't know. And no Texas. <laughs> so if you come to Kansas City, we'll get you squared away with barbecue. If you join our Facebook page, I post lovely barbecue pictures. I'll send you the right spot. We can go grab lunch together, whatever you want to do. Time permitting. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, we have we have pint glasses now. I'm going to give some away of those at the con. They, they turned out better than I thought. You can order one. Um, I think I've got them cranked down to just about as low as you can go on the uh, the Teespring page. So, uh, yeah, go get them. We got new T-shirts too with an alternate design on the back. So, all right, that's historic fest. Should we talk about the rest of the nonsense? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, have you been uh, you've been riding your bike? Uh, mostly inside, but a little bit Still? outside. Yeah, okay. yeah. I've been riding I, I know... on Swift mostly, but my daughter and I have been riding a lot on Saturdays. I've I taught my my daughter to ride, so we've been riding a lot, and she's really getting into it. So, um, part of the problem right now is, I mean, we can ride around here, but she really wants to hit some of the local trails. Uh-huh. But we need to get our bike rack installed on my wife's car. Um, and she needs a trailer hitch for that because we've got a bike rack that plugs into that. Our old car had one. We sold that car got a new one that didn't have the trailer hitch so we've been Mm. basically without a bike rack for a while um but we're getting that done tuesday i think nice yeah nice so i went out to a uh a rails a trail and it was good it was it was my first like crushed limestone which is all most of what katie trail is right is all crushed limestone yep yeah yeah it was like a little bit like when you go through sedalia you ride on city streets but it's basically all crushed limestone yeah and it's so flat which is mm-hmm. a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, crust limestone provides more resistance than you would think. Especially sure. when you're just, just pedaling. I mean, when you go from St. When you go west on the Katy Trail, it is flat, but it's slightly uphill. I mean, the <laughs> whole thing is slightly <laughs> uphill. So, I mean, when you're pedaling for six hours on crust limestone, you know, it's, it's 10, 12 miles an hour. You're not going to go as fast as you normally would. Yeah, I learned that because I had like a time in mind. So I went out and did uh, a 50K and I was like, oh, I think it's going to take me this amount of time. Yeah. And like I was uh, I was about four miles per hour slower than what I wanted to be. And yeah. like sure enough, like because like railroads permit so much uphill, you know, so many feet per mile that they can go uphill. But the grade is pretty flat. But like the first half was just slightly uphill on crushed limestone and I was getting my ass kicked. Yeah, there was a guy a few years, I can't remember what it was, but I know at least one person has done the Katy Trail in one day, which is insane. What is that, 290 miles or 226, something? 226, I think. 226. Yeah. I mean, I guess if you just don't stop, right? I mean, like, there's those guys who do, like, ultra-endurance runs yeah. for, like, 100 miles in 24 hours. So, like, if you, do, if you don't stop, I mean, I guess it's doable. Yeah. But no thanks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, hey, yeah, I wonder if I could do. And this was like, I so I just got my bike in January, and like I go for like one ten mile ride. It's like, oh yeah, I wonder if I could do a hundred miles. I'm like thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, that can't be that hard. And then I go out and do a fifty k, which is thirty thirty one miles, and I was like, oh god, yeah, <laughs> there's no way in hell. Well, you got to build up that. Miles. I mean, you just yeah, you right. got to build your butt up to that. Oh my I mean, gosh, every time I got off the long. bike. You'd hit like these county roads and like some, yeah. someone's driving their truck, so I gotta stop. It's like every time I get out of the saddle, like if you're going up or down a hill, it's not so bad because you're up and down and changing up. But if you're just sitting there for like an hour and then uh-huh. you get up and then like <laughs> butt muscle just like clinch. So I was like, ah, oh. yeah. Most I've ever good. done in one day was 
60 or 65, I think. Oof. That's that's good. So, I'd look forward to which doing I guess that, that would be a the... metric century, but I've never done an imperial century, so someday. I I want to, but it was humbling to go out yeah. and do this and then like yeah, at like mile 28, I was utterly hating myself. <laughs> and then I got back into the town of Ottawa and it got back on paved and was downhill and you got on the street for a little bit. I was like, "Oh, thank goodness." So it, it, feels, good. so, it feels so good to go fast. It does. I really, I really like biking. Like, mm-hmm. um, I, it's been a good, good thing to get into for sure. Yeah. I was actually, so I was signed up for a triathlon last weekend. Um, I couldn't end up doing it, but I went out there just to, you know, see the course and say hi to everyone and stuff. And, oh, it made me, made me miss it. So now I, when earlier this year, I kind of said, well, I might be done with triathlon. Maybe I'll just do biking again. But now I'm like, nah, I need to start running again. I want to do a try again next year. So. That's we'll see awesome, how it goes. Dude. My doctor told me I could start swimming again, um, so that's good too. Okay, and can can you run again? Yes, I've been okay. running, just not consistently. Okay, nice. Well, that's that's pretty stellar. Uh, yeah. Considering part of it you know, is just five I, months ago, I've sort of hinted at it, but like the next month for work for me is going to be just absolute hell. So I don't really sure. like when I start consistently doing something, knowing that a week from now I won't be able to do it. So I've kind of been putting everything off until after that happens, which is terrible because I should just be doing something. But I'm really the only thing I've been doing is is riding on Swift. Hey, that's that's what I keep telling myself is like, and that's like I was twenty eight miles in it or something like that. Yeah, and like it was the last stretch before, and then you drive under I thirty five, and it's all better after that. And I was just <laughs> like telling myself, I was like, people are at home this weekend, not doing this. Like I la- this. you lapped everyone that was on the couch. That's right. It's good. It's it's motivating. So it's been a good year for that. I I really enjoy. I'm looking forward to Rich and I. Not I don't know if we've mentioned on the show, but. Um, in the advance after combat, like guild pages and, and wherever else we've hinted at and discussed potentially doing Katie trail next year. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of why our, uh, the biking talk has come from, which would be really cool. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. Lots of wineries. I wouldn't say lots of good wineries, just lots of wineries <laughs> on the, uh, the trail. Yeah. I'm not a wine snob. I can, I can drink it. Oh yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? What's the, what's the big one? Stone, uh, stone hill. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's kind of like I would say one of the bigger Missouri wineries, as yeah. far as I know. I have no complaints with Stonehill wine. They're drier stuff. I'm not a big sweet guy, but uh, yeah. yeah, I got no complaints. All right. So, what else is going on in your life, Rich? Uh, we finished up that f- that first campaign for Warhammer Fantasy role playing. Finally finished up that first nice. one and okay. moved on to the second one. So that was good. Uh, we uh, we we stopped the cultist and we actually even killed the demon, which was amazing. We kind of got lucky on that one, and none of us died, which is wow. really surprising. But so that and was you fun. Say, you say second campaign? Are you rolling a new character? Or? No, no, we're sticking with the same character. It was just like the whole first the first arc, basically. So we're nice. We're moving on now, and it's it's fun. Uh, we're trying to decide where we're going to go from here. My character is he's kind of snuggling in with a criminal underbelly and taking jobs as a criminal. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. Yeah. I don't have much on the RPG front. I tried M space. Um, I haven't heard of that. It's good. It uses, so it's a D 100 system. Um, and, uh, a guy named art ran it. He did a, he did a bang up job prepping it. And it, this was my first time using foundry, which I've been dragging my feet and I was That's really impressed with foundry. Yeah. Uh, really nice. It's D100, so like it's, I would say it's very similar to 
Call of Cthulhu, actually. Uh-huh. But I am still very new to all of this. Um, but I liked the the character creation. Um, you kind of like, okay, where are you from? And like, you pick a career. So I'm playing a priest, which I've interpreted to basically be Keith Ranieri from Nexium. So I'm a cult leader. Um, and then there's an option to like save back some of your points and roll on some tables to like give you flavor based off like what your background is and what your career is. So like it, this table takes those into consideration and it worked out pretty well. Like, um, it would be little things like, um, your masses, uh, continue to grow. So take some additional coins and those points you've tucked away, like focus them here. So it just gives you a little bit of guidance on where to spend your points Yeah. or like, uh Oh, like someone's doubting you. Go ahead and, like, before you spend any points, now make a, uh, I don't know, deceit roll. And if you pass, do this. And if you fail, do this. And so uh, it, it's nice. It was a fun little character creation. Um, and then, like, it's D100, but there's different, like, um, just like in Call of Cthulhu, like, where there's hard, it there's different varying levels of um, success. Mm-hmm. Um and then combat wise, you like kind of come up with like your style. So, and how the rule book says it is like it can be everything from like your ship's missiles to, um, you know, hand to hand. And then you work with the GM and say like, "All right, I'm a I'm from a rural part of Earth and am like skilled at hunting and tracking." And so like maybe you're good with a knife and a rifle or something like that. And so it kind of like shapes what weapons you get and how you fight and it's what's cool about it is just like how you kind of paint this picture and then work out the items yourself it's it's neat Hmm. that's really uh i played some alien and that's gonna wrap up i've I've talked about that system a lot it's so good are you running Uh, that one are you playing it i'm running that one and so season one season one will wrap up i have three seasons in mind we'll see if they actually happen um, and then I'm getting geared up to do a big D and D thing, and then I've got a little project I'm working on that I'm kind of behind on for a little self-created thing. Cool. I'm gonna get back into D and D with my daughter. We've, we're waiting for the other one to come home from college, so I think we're gonna try to fit in a few sessions while she's here for the summer, and then we'll get back to just the two of us after she goes back. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I keep wanting to circle back up with with Cat because. And I'm I'm sure we will once things will slow down eventually for me. I'm sure. Um, that was fun. I like the one to one, so it's cool. Uh, anything else? Hmm. No, I'm just dreading the next month. But I'll be glad when it's over, because then we'll be a month closer to KC Fest. That's right. July 30th, August 1st. Um. Yeah, I guess uh, we've got a Facebook group. I don't, to be honest, I I wish I posted on the History on the Table Facebook page more. I just don't think about it because we have a Discord server. Yeah, the Discord's pretty active. Yeah, yeah. uh, Everything from, well, I posted some beer pictures today or terrible uh, Warhammer 40K memes (laughs) or, uh, you know, people just posting a picture of uh, someone's doing that, uh, that game that's really intimidating to me. Um Oh, it's the, he's playing the Vietnam one. Uh, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. It's got, like, the guy's face. 
Oh, you're talking about Fields of Fire? Thank you, Fields okay. of Fire. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, everything like that. If you want an invite, uh, just ask one of us. Uh, I just, like, the links die out every time. So, anyone that's on there can send an invite. It's it's an open server, all that stuff. Or if you're in the KC area, there's stuff to talk about, KC stuff, all that stuff. So, we've got a Discord server. There's a Facebook page. There's a Patreon if you want to do your Patreon pick. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got Twitter and Instagram and email and all those other wonderful things that you can reach us on in the uh, in the 21st century. Yeah, I'm on Twitter. That's the best place to find me. I won't be posting any blues stuff anymore, so I guess I'll say go Canes. Oh, shit. We haven't t- Thank you. Well, you can do Canes or Jets. Both are acceptable. My dream right now is obviously to have Canes and Jets in the finals. <laughs> and because line is gone, I'm going to go with Canes over the Jets. But I'll be very happy if either one wins. The Canes are just so fun to root for. Yeah, I don't really know anything about them. I know will probably watch this, uh, the Colorado Vegas series. I probably will watch that just because even though I'm not happy that those two teams are in it, they are both very good teams and it'll be enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Vegas is a little bit of like the new Colorado. Like I, I see a lot of people don't like Vegas for one reason or another. Yeah. And everyone used to hate Mark Colorado. Stone is pretty unlikable. Yeah. And Ryan Reeves <laughs> who used to play for the blues. He's, he's pretty dirty. He's one of those guys. If he's on your team, you like him, but the rest of the league hates him. Yep. It's kind of like Bufflin way on the yeah. jets, Yep, but he's, he's gone and, He's no longer there. But uh, the Canes lost today against Tampa Bay. They had like a 4 o'clock game or something like that. And then the Jets have just been waiting for the the Maple Leafs and uh, Canadians to wrap up. Just waiting. Man, the the Canes like had so many overtime games. Yeah. Yeah, in general there were a bunch of overtime. And the Blues got swept. I mean, their series was just like not even close. But every other series was interesting. It was a game seven. There was a bunch of overtimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was brutal for me on my couch at 1030. I'm yeah. sure the like, like, uh, Slavin, who is, who is my, uh, up there with line a and several other guys. Slavin's one of my favorite hockey players. I've got a Slavin jersey, all that stuff. And, uh, like he, he was hurt for a couple games and like Brett Pesci played like 45 minutes of ice time in one where they had a double overtime. Like he almost played a full game on the ice. Wow. It's bonkers. Like here, I'm like, oh, it's late on my couch. (laughs) (laughs) Wrap it up, folks. Okay, that's going to do it for us, folks. Everyone have a good month. We will be back in June uh, with another round of games. Thanks, Don, for the great pick. I I am legitimately pleasantly surprised with uh, our Den 2024. If you guys are all interested, I I hope that... uh, I'm in no way related to uh, this company at all, but hopefully it draws some attention to them. I can't speak to the other games, but they at least look interesting. They've got everything from World War Three to Napoleonics, World War Two, whatever you name it. There's all kinds of stuff over there, so yeah, check them out. They've got a modern Waterloo game too. I saw like Waterloo. I think all their all their modern games I think are called 2024, but they got a bunch of them. Apparently, 2024 is it's gonna be a year. It's gonna be hell. Nice. Uh, and that's tswargames.com. And shipping was like, I don't know, three weeks to get. They It's beaten. My Vevictus order isn't here yet. And I think I ordered them around the same time. So uh, not terrible considering where it came from. So, All right. That's going to do it for us, folks. Uh, Rich, what's your Twitter handle? Trapeer Jr. And we're at History Table Pod. We've got a uh, Gmail at uh, History Table Podcast at gmail.com. 
Send us an email, questions, whatever. Pop on our Discord server, leave them in the Facebook, and we'll get them answered. Thanks for listening, guys. I hope everyone has a happy Memorial Day.